Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode of The History of Gear, Yoji Kaneda, Director of Lifestyle Footwear and Apparel and New Concepts at Danner, talks at the 2023 Outdoor History Summit about building the Danner Archive and shares tips and tricks for how to build out a collection within a brand. Today, I wanted to talk about some of the archive tips. So Danner is a fairly old brand. It's We started in 1932 but we really didn't have a proper archive collection of things. So what we did um, was try to find um, some of the things internally and also branch out externally to find things to, to, to see if we can find our roots a little bit more. So today I think, you know, there's two things that I want to focus on. One's the physical archive you know, like the catalogs, products, and magazine articles. This is great. Um, But I think, you know, some of the intangibles, like the stories archive is really important. And there's um, talking to people in the industry that's worked with Daner or um, worked at Daner in the past. I think those stories really helped help me connect the dots. I wanted to talk about it a little bit today. So tangible archives are like the catalogs, magazine products. You know, these things are um, sometimes readily available internally, but um, for us, it was not um, not so available. So what we, we had to do was find and dig out some of these things, collect them in one place. Um, they're currently sitting in my cabinet um, because that's the, I feel like it's the safest place. But um, in terms of magazines, I I didn't have a lot of physical archives. So a lot of this, this is actually digital, but I started PDFing some of the um, things that I found on Google books or something on Pinterest and whatnot. So those are the things and products. I mainly go on eBay and look for some of the, some of the things that um, looks interesting or worth um, purchasing to put in the archive. So like places to find, um, the catalogs um i think you know if you're an older company there's there's probably spots in the warehouse where you know you have catalogs that you haven't really thrown away um inside people's cabinets like older folks sometimes have older catalogs in their cabinets so those are worth collecting um and there's like rooms that are 
being used and those places are where these gems are hiding sometimes um ebay antique stores one thing pinterest everything digital has been great these days um gainer is still kind of a niche brand so there's not a lot of stuff on pinterest but um Danner used to make products for Sears and whatnot. So um, I was able to find some um, Sears catalogs and archives digitally and find, you know, things that are potentially made by Danner back in the days. Um, magazines, Google book, book search is actually very powerful. It's, you know, it's got limited things on it, but Backpacker Magazine, Field and Stream, those things are really cool to read through and just seeing other brands and other articles in those magazines are really cool. But um, Google book search is really powerful because you can actually find the, the contents within the article. So um, one example on the right, um, Willie Sacre was some, somebody that we didn't really, as a company, we kind of forgot. He was the star designer back in the eighties who designed um the Gore-Tex boots, the first Gore-Tex boots ever. And um, so putting his name actually helped me expand some of the, the articles that I never found in the past. So those are really cool things to, to find, um, starting with something basic like your brand name, then you know going into more deeper into product names, designer names and whatnot. Those are really useful. Um, and old bookstores too. And there's a lot of websites that are archiving these old catalogs and old magazines. So those are really useful. Um, products, um, eBay is probably the best place to start, but um, I also go to Craigslist, but having old employees and we do have a fair amount of consumers that are saying, you know, this is a booth that I use for a long time. I'm too old to wear them now. Like, do you want them? And like, these are really cool things. So I think those are opportunities to talk with, you know, the consumer relationships team to, to have radars on these. And now everybody in the company knows that I'm trying to find vintage, cool things. So there's a lot of information coming from all over the company saying, you know, I found this at the thrift, thrift store or whatnot, and they would send me photos. And those are really cool to have, people involved in these things, you know, sharing and getting people involved is probably one of the easiest way to get um, expand the, the collection here. And also wanted to point out that, you know, we're also creating history right now and we tend to throw away things like samples, like, you know, last year's season, seasonal samples and whatnot, but there's, you know, there's, there's things that are worth holding onto. And that's why, we've been losing a lot of these archives is that we've been just tossing or donating older samples in the past. I think, you know, starting the, your archive collection now is going to be very important to you. Um, some of the specifics, um, I thought just some tactical things about dating products, um, some hints on understanding when your product was made. I think this really helps you understand some of the um, product heritage that you have. Um, you know, the question is like, you know, when did we make this and who made it? And like, why did we make this? And these things are really um, important things to, to understand. And, you know, older, if you have older catalogs, that's helpful. You have style numbers and lot numbers. If 
if there's ruling. Um, and back in the days in the 60s or the 50s, 50s and the 60s, we used to um, put the first, the last two digits of the year on the first two digits of the style number. So if a star number is 6490, that means it was made in 1964. So that was easy to find out. But later in the years, like it evolved routine. So you had to kind of, I had to meet some of the older factory folks to understand how the rolling was. So those are some of the keys. Um, other clues are just, you know, very specific, like, you know, geeking out on hardware, camo, logo, and et cetera. If you look at the, the Bibram logos here, these are kind of the four generations of the Mountain Trail. Um, Mountain, Mountain Light is our best-selling product, but Mountain Trail was based was basically the base of the Mountain Light. And there's different iterations over the years. And just seeing how the pattern changed and trying to figure out how the last changed over time and when these were made, these really give you a clue of how we progress as, as a brand or as a bootmaker to create or improve products. So it's really important to understand that. Um, these are like Bibram logos and B-Rum logos are always yellow, but they they were just black. You know, B-Rum logos back in the days, this this is one of the earlier ones. And yellow with the Montagna is the 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 slightly newer one. And the newer ones have the B-Rum logo only. So it's like it's it helps you understand these and some of the different construction with the nails and all these are hints to understand the, the aging of the product. Um, one thing that we noticed is that, um, you know, even if the product looks really old, sometimes they're not really old. So like, depending on the, how it looks, it's probably the, the least, um, least accurate um, way to understanding the age of the product. Um, some of the other hands that I had, um, we had this label, this, this is the oldest banner label that we, I know so far, I can't find anything older right now, anything older than 1956. So that's unfortunate, but um, this includes a union flag of the, the bootmakers union. And this union was dismantled in 1962. So that way I know for sure that it's before 1962. Um, this is a camo boot that I found. Um, this is a fairly new product, but wanted to find out when this was made. So this camo pattern was actually the 1993 fall foliage from, um, um, from, um, used in Cabalas and whatnot. So trying to find out when we started using them to when we stopped using them. So those are some of the hints that I found out on these. Um, those are kind of the tangible stuff, but intangible stories. So we have products, product dates, and, you know, old catalogs, and we look through them. Um, but the intangible stories really help understand the context of what we were trying to focus on and what um, our passion was in making products. So talking with old employees um, or, you know, the, the industry is so small and there's people that knew the you know the designers back then and work with them and you know you just go to material shows i was at the functional fabric fair a few years back and i was talking about um 
the brand and the the person I was talking to knew about Daner and he was saying that he used to supply um, goods for Daner and and that's where we, I started to understand some of the back end stories of how we started doing Gore-Tex and and when you know that conversation started so that was really interesting to know um, and this really helps connect the dots in terms of like you know the magazine articles and the products and having everything combined so to create a story that you actually never knew about. Um, so these are some examples of connecting the dots. Um, you know, we talked about some specific things like the magazines and the catalogs. We find people within those things. So this is how I kind of connected all the people that I found out was related to Dare and trying to understand um, their heritage over time. So those are things that was really helpful. And locations, having catalogs, you know, old ads have old addresses and some of the archive catalogs have old addresses and finding out when they moved and, you know, trying to figure out those things and understanding the region back then. It's really cool to understand, like, where we were at and mapping those locations. Um, product training points. So, you know, these are bits and bits. So this is an old catalog uh, from 1956 saying that we made this outdoor recreational boots. Um, but we found some articles on the magazines that said that Bill Daner actually was struggling back then. And he, we were making boots for loggers and shipyards and whatnot, but we weren't really getting a lot of business back in the fifties because um of just the, the the reduction the logging industry and whatnot so um he was struggling and he he also had the passion to go outdoors so he actually started creating his own outdoor boots back then so this is our country that we still make as a hunting boot um but there's a lot of things that you can connect the stories with and understand why we started off with this and why this is a key product for us and you know, the Mountain Light is our best-selling product, but, you know, it's very far apart from where we were at in 1956 to 1962, 1964, when we made the Mountain Trails. So I was wondering why that, you know, that move was. And there's a lot of stories that I found from archives, um, magazine articles from REI and um, old, old archive catalogs. And talking with some people found out that, um, Bill actually took the took the elk hunter to Jim Whitaker and at REI, and they they thought it it wasn't trendy um, because back back then the trend was all about um, kind of the Swiss Alps style of of climbing, so that was what they had. Um, so they they wanted some Euro flair, so that was what they asked. And Bill Danner actually made the mountain trail and sold it at REI later. Um, and it's also interesting, um, there's a brand called Byberg in Canada. Um, Bill Daner and Ed Byberg were really good friends. So he actually gave the mountain trail pattern to Ed Byberg. So that's why Byberg makes this exact same pattern um, in Canada still still today. So I think, you know, finding these like unknown connections that, um, you know, makes things really interesting is really fun. Um and human aspects of innovations, like thinking about like 
as a product person, I try to um, understand why these people made these decisions, why Bill Daner made these boots, why, you know, we made the Vortex boots. And I think that mindset really helps me create um, better products today. The ethos really helps. So I think understanding those human aspects of why they were trying to find innovative materials and why they were trying to keep the old school boot um, construction. I think those were really interesting to understand. Basically, we were using innovative foams and whatnot in 1950s and, you know, combining with traditional boot manufacturing because we knew it was repairable and we, we knew it was, it would last longer. So that's something that we're trying to focus again is to repair boot, make, make every boot repairable. So like, you know, bring back the old mentality of keep one product for a long time. So you're not buying new products every time, but also getting innovative um, functions and features within it. So those are things that you really understand and, um, and provides context to your business um, today. Um, this was at the at the Functional Fabric Fair, but um, this is the Gore-Tex boot creation story. And this was from, from a Backpacker magazine in 1981 that I found out. And that really helped me find out like the Willie Sacre name and like the, the, the relationship with REI and Daner and Gore-Tex. So those are really interesting stories to find out. Um, and it, this has this little detail where they say they had um, dinner in New York about um, about Gore-Tex um, boots um, with REI and Gore and Daner. So it's really interesting to know these little back-in-the-scenes stories. Um, so that's kind of all, you know, simple, but, you know, finding your heritage is super fun and hope everybody has um, a good luck in finding you know, new discovering new 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 identities through their heritage. So, thank you. Great, thank you, Yoji. Um, do we have questions? If anyone has questions, feel free to include those in the chat. Um, part of this whole summit is to feature people who are doing research, brands who are building their own archives. Um, we'll be featuring REI's archive later today. Um, we want to shed light on not only our collections, but the brands that are doing great work building their own collections. And it's a big lift building it from the ground up. So it's it's great to hear your story, Yoji. Does anyone have questions on, on getting an archive going, how to find materials, anything covered today? Here's one. Um, when starting an archive for a brand with a lot of history, it can feel really overwhelming on figuring out where to start. Um, any advice on how to begin and what to focus on first? Yeah, I think, you know, focusing is the hardest thing. You go you go to eBay, you have like cool things and you're, all, you're always wondering which ones you want. But I think focusing on the key products like best sellers or products that really relate to what we do today um i think that's a really good starting point and if there was any innovation in the past that's um that is worth holding on to so having a product in on hand definitely makes it feel different and you, you there's new discoveries about those things so i think you know focusing on bestsellers and highlights in the past i think that's where we start that's great. Another question about whether you have a physical archive in Oregon that you can visit. 
We do not, um, but we are trying to open the factory for a factory tour, and we will have some, you know, products and maybe a little bit of vintage products in there too. So that that's coming in hopefully in 2024. That's great. Um, another question here from Nathan. Um, I have an old product, um, and I've got nothing but the brand. How how could I go about finding more details? But, um, it sounds like a, a Chenard product, but I guess you know if you're having hard a hard time like finding details on a specific product, or you're looking for more information, any recommendations? Yeah, I think if it's like a Chenard product, there's a lot of old catalogs that people are digitally archiving. I think those are really good starting points, um, and if there's improvements on on that specific tool, then you can kind of start to hone in which era that product was made. So, you know, it may not be the specific year, but you would be able to at least have a range of few years of that product probably. And and Nathan, that's maybe something that we can help with. I mean, if you have a specific question, um, maybe we can dig into our Chenard catalog collection and see what we can find. So feel free to send us an email and maybe we can help identify something. That's great. Um, and then Heather, thanks for sharing, sharing this. Brand workbooks are a fun non-consumer facing piece that can help when finding old style numbers, materials. So we think of the catalogs traditionally, but there's all sorts of other materials that are kind of floating out there that are valuable. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Yoji, how's the best way to stay in touch with you and connect um, here and beyond? Um. I guess um, I'll put my email address there, Instagram. I have Instagram under Yoji Kaneda. So, yeah, this would be probably the best places to reach out. Perfect. Great. Well, thank you again, Yoji. appreciate all you do and, and for sharing your thoughts today. Yeah, thanks, Chase. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Highlander Podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.